Hello, 49ers fans. It's 49ers fangirl Tracy with SoCali Steph and a very, very special guest today. We have Matt Mayoko from Comcast uh, and CSN Bay Area. Hi, Matt. How you doing? Well, we're good. Hey, Steph. Hey, how are you? Good. Another uh, another rough day for the 49ers, but they're becoming a lot more commonplace, so they're easier to swallow. Sort of. Yeah. <laughs> it was a rough day, and it was a rough day for the weather. I'm not used to that cold and that rain, so <laughs> it was hard to be there for me. <laughs> yes, yeah, Steph and I, the SoCal girls, uh, were up at the game complaining about the cold. Granted, it was maybe 50 degrees, but to us, <laughs> that's that was cool. Yes. Um, and Matt, you were in the press box, so I'm assuming you had much better weather experiences. Yeah, you know, uh, game days at Levi Stadium are, are, are pretty good for me. Uh, the, about the only time I go outside is when I park my car and go to the stadium or when I'm out on the field before the game where I met you two ladies. Yes, and, then, uh, and then after the game, when I finish all my work and I'm walking to the parking lot, <laughs> so uh, kind of immune to the elements. Of Levi Stadium for the most part. Yes. Well, that was that was very lucky. Lucky, <laughs> lucky. Um, but focusing on the game, uh, it was again a rough game, and at the end, it looked like maybe they were going to make a comeback. But I think that we all know they were never actually going to make a comeback. Um, so this season continues to be a rough run and a frustrating one. Um, and as, as I've talked about many times, what's frustrating to me is the lack of any sort of improvement with this team. And in my opinion, they seem to be very unprepared for games. Matt, what do you think about that? Well, I mean, I think that probably the best game this team played was week one. They, uh, they flew around to the ball defensively in that night game against the Vikings. Uh, the run game looked good. The, the zone blocking team looked good. Carlos Hyde uh, made a lot of plays. Colin uh, Kaepernick took care of the football. Uh, didn't put up big passing yards. But kind of the formula for success was set week one. And then they were never able to duplicate that. You know, the, the defense uh, played sporadically. For whatever reason, the defense played very well. In home games, uh, played uh, generally pretty awful on the road. Uh, offensively, you know, the, the offensive line never held up. Uh, the the tight end situation was was hit or miss. With uh, you know, they started off featuring the three tight ends in the running game. They had some injuries there. Uh, Vernon Davis. Uh, never played well, and then he they shipped him off to Denver, and I think he's even playing worse for the Broncos. Uh, Carlos Hyde, the guy that they basically built their offense around, uh, wasn't healthy for most of the season. Of course, he you know, has stepped on the field since uh, mid-October. Uh, and you're right. I mean, there haven't been, you know, there have been incremental improvements in some areas, but certainly nothing noticeable. Uh, so it's, it, you haven't seen the the improvements from some of the young players. I, I you know I think the, the secondary has, has shown some things. There's been no pass rush though. Uh, so all in all, the, the uh, you know all in all, the, the the 49ers are one of the two or third 
two or three worst teams in the NFL, and I don't know that that uh, can even be disputed. No, I don't. I, I do not think it can be disputed. <clears throat> no, and I I had a lot of hope that perhaps I was wrong about the whole coaching situation, but it just seems like the 49ers execs underestimated the value in coaching altogether. Is that something you think happened? And also, do you think the players feel that way? Uh, I'm having a really difficult time hearing you, but I think you asked about whether the 49ers underestimated the value of the the previous coaching staff. Uh, Maybe uh, Tracy, kind of help me out. Yes, that is what you that is what so, she she asked, and she asked if you felt that the players were seeing that as well at this point. You know, I don't know that the the, the players are. Uh, it, it, you know, there were there were issues with with the, the previous coaching staff in the locker room, and specifically Jim Harbaugh. That you know that that's all been out there. Uh, you know, there, there were some, obviously, some very notable, notable players uh, last season, uh, you know, whose names I'm not going to say, but we're, we're certainly not on the same page as Jim Harbaugh. And I think, you know, his effectiveness uh, last season was probably the, the least that it had been in, in his four seasons. And, you know, there's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, probably one of the, the big reasons. Uh, you know the 49ers you know, well last year they were injured too you know they were you know the, the team the roster wasn't as good last year with all the injuries but I think uh, where I see it you know I mean we all knew that Vic Fangio was a really good defensive coordinator uh, but I, I do think that you know just on both sides of the ball I think they underestimated Vic Fangio I think everybody underestimated Greg Roman. I mean, mm-hmm. Greg Roman, people here were up in arms about you know how he's running the offense. In retrospect, we can look at it and say, holy cow, Greg Roman did a really good job with that offense. And now look at what he's doing with the Bills. I mean, the, the Bills lead the league in explosive plays. Uh, Tyrod Taylor, who nobody really thought was much of anything as a quarterback has a QB rating of over a hundred. Um, you know, you, you can you can certainly make the case that the, the biggest loss of the coaching staff was Greg Roman to see how how far that offense has fallen, mm-hmm. uh, how far the defense has fallen uh, with Vic Angel. Vic Angel, you know, a, uh, a component of just getting his guys coached up and prepared. Uh, he's never going to wow you with the elaborate schemes and you see the 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 antithesis of that in a lot of ways is uh, what what Mangini has done with the defense where you know early in the season these guys didn't know whether they were coming or going and the only confusion that they were creating creating you know they're trying to create confusion for the opposing offense turned out they're creating probably more confusion for their own team mm-hmm. um, that they kind of ironed out some of that stuff. Uh, I, you know, yesterday I thought the defense played very well. I mean, by the way, exceptionally well. And you know, the, the, the Bengals' only offense was a result of, you know, 
plays and, and bumbling 49ers offense mm-hmm. by the, the turnovers. And then, of course, the, actually, the, the one punt that Bradley Payton had, uh, they gave that great field position. But no, I think uh, I think that staff as a whole last year and for the four previous years well, was very good. Um, you know, how, how much this year's team would be different. You know, they're, they're four and ten right now. Would the Fournier be a playoff team if the former staff had been around? I doubt it. You know, how many, how many more games would they have won? I mean, it's very difficult to say. But I think any, any coaching situation, any staff uh, would have had a difficult time uh, with just the extreme roster uh, makeover uh, that this organization has experienced. I would I, I agree too. Yeah, I would. I would agree with that. I think. I think they might be playing better. I think we might see better preparation. I. I don't know how many more games they would have won. They may have ended eight and eight again. Um, but it could have. It definitely could have been worse. Um, but going back to what we talked about earlier, it just seems to be the lack of any improvement in preparation. And I do think a lot of that falls on the coaching staff. Um, and I'm wondering, what do you see? What changes do you see being made? Do you see anything being changed in these next couple of weeks, or do you think it'll be at the end of the season? Yeah, I, I don't think I, I don't think there's going to be anything happening uh, during the season. Uh, my my guess, and we're, we're speaking here with two games left in the season. Uh, my my belief as of right now is that Jim Tomsula is back as the head coach. Um, my belief as of right now is that uh, there have to be some changes, though. And I think the first place you'd have to start would be looking at the offensive coaching staff and specifically offensive coordinator. Uh, would you look at the defense? I think I think they believe that, that Eric Mancini, uh, once his system is in place, once the players um, fully understand uh, his vision of how they want things to work, that that defense will continue to get better. With Chief Chris, you know, going back more than or you'll go back eleven months after Jim Tomsula was hired. Uh, Jeep Chris was not his first choice the offensive coordinator. He was not his second choice. Uh, I, he might not have even been his third choice. But they couldn't get Adam Gase. They couldn't get uh, Rob Chudetsky. Uh They couldn't get uh, you know, some other people that they talked to. And so they already had Jeep Chris on staff. They had him under contract. Uh, and then they, they made that call. Uh, in, in large uh, portion because uh, Jeep and, and, and uh, Colin Kaepernick, uh, there was a feeling in the organization at that point that those guys worked well together, they communicated well together. Uh, you, you can't have a 4-10 season. You know, best case scenario is it's a 6-10, worst case. Four and twelve. I, I just don't think you can have that kind of season and not have any changes. And the offense needs something. The, the offense needs more than something. The offense needs a lot. 
Yeah, it's awful. And uh, just you know, seeing... It starts, it starts with, you know, with the offensive line needs to be shored up. They, they need to... They need playmakers. They need to get Carlos Hyde healthy. They need to get uh, more people behind him. Uh, so I, I, that would be the first place that I would look uh, at the end of the season. Steph, you want to? I was just saying that it, it just seems like from, and I know it's probably hard to hear me, Matt. I don't know why, but um, just the the team does not look cohesive from an offensive standpoint at all. And it's, you have to look at coaching at some point because it's just not working. And I, I don't know. I just, it looks just very like nobody knows what they're doing out there and confused. And then the play calls are, there's just something else. So I'm, I, I just can't imagine that there's not going to be a big shakeup as well. And do you, uh, do you think? Yes, that she 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 agrees with you that it. She she said they just do not look cohesive. No one seems to know what they're doing. The play calling has been less than decent, uh, and so she imagine imagines there'll be a big shakeup as well. And I agree with all of that. Uh, my concern, and maybe it's not a valid concern. Maybe I um, spent too much time listening to what everybody says. But do you think it's going to be hard to get a really solid offensive coordinator to come work for this team? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, put it this way. Uh, you know, I, right, right now, you know, I think Jim Tomsula is back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and part of the reason for that is because they went through the process a year ago and they determined that Jim Tomsula was better than anybody else uh, that for this particular job, and a year later, uh, I don't know that they will have changed their mind and not given him. You know, I think they would just lean toward uh, continuity. They would lean toward not admitting that they made a cross mistake, just one season into it. You know, at some point, you gotta. If you like a guy, you think he's the right guy. For the job, you gotta let him grow a little bit. You gotta let him have more than one season. You gotta let him experience all of the stuff that a head coach has to go through uh, to, to write the ship. You know, to, to, to go through all the game management scenarios. But if Jim Thompson was back in 2016. Certainly, 2017 is not guaranteed. And if you have the same kind of season back to back, then there's there's no argument that you can make to bring him back for a third year. Mm-hmm. Well, every potential offensive coordinator out there knows all that, and they're they're not stupid. So the only offensive coordinator you'd be able to get is an offensive coordinator who doesn't have any other options. You know, no one's gonna, no one's gonna say, "Oh, I'll, I'll sign up for that," uh, instead of this position over here, where I could join a first-year head coach who you know is going to get at least two years. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be very difficult for the Forty Niners to find anybody uh, with a track record uh, to come in and assume that offense, even though the, the guy who comes in will know that he's going to have complete autonomy to do on offense, whatever he wants to do. To me, kind of a, a, a person
on is Steve Logan. He's the mm-hmm. quarterback's coach. He's never been a coordinator in the NFL, but uh, yeah, he was a very successful coordinator at Boston College. He was Matt Ryan coordinator there uh, for a couple of years at Boston College. And I know the 49ers think highly of him as a, as a teacher, as a coach. So, uh, and, you know, that would be kind of the, in my mind, kind of the early favorite uh, because I just don't know who else they can get uh, unless you're talking about a guy just who doesn't have any other options. Uh, the only way you could tell it would be, hey, look, you're coming in to a team that was not only the worst offense in the league, it was by far the worst offense. Any metric you want to use, the 49ers offense, is the worst. Mm-hmm. Yes. Any, anything you do with this team is going to be a feather in your cap. You, know, you can still have a really horrible offense next season, but you you might raise it to uh, 26th in the league, and people are going to be hailing you as a hero. So uh, it's kind of a no-lose situation for any coach coming into this, possibly. But I don't know. I, I think it's going to be a very difficult sell uh, to find a new offensive coordinator. Interesting. Yeah, I, I agree that that's, that's my concern. But I think what, what you talked about with Steve Logan is interesting um, and may be the best bet. And I think there are a lot of people who actually had wished he got the job this year to see what he could have done. So I think that will... Yeah, yeah I, I would think that it's probably for him you know, to, to come in and he had it. He had his coach in the league for a while. Uh, it, it might have been too much for him to just come in and say, okay, here, you know, here, design an offense, you know, design an NFL offense, it's all yours. I think it's probably a, a better situation for him to be in the building for a year to really get a grasp of the offense, of, of Wayne Gabbard, of what they need, if they need to bring somebody else in, if they... You know, what they already have at, at wide receiver, what they already have at on the offensive line, and kind of make pieces fit from there. So I, I think probably uh, the, the best, I mean, if, if, if that's truly the way they're looking, it, it was probably better for him to have a full year of you know, homework and, and study uh, to get to know the personnel to then enact what he believes could be successful next year. Um, and you brought up Blaine Gabbert. Uh, three weeks ago, I would have felt like he would probably be the starter in week one, that he was playing well enough. I still do not think he's a franchise quarterback, but he was playing well enough. Uh, these last two weeks have been rougher. I don't know that yesterday was entirely on him. I, he uh, had some help from Vance McDonald and really messing up a number of offensive plays. Uh, but at this point, if the next two weeks go like the last two weeks, do you still think that he's the viable week one starter next year? Mostly by default, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think that, you know, yesterday, you know, the, the stat line was his worst since he's taken over. Uh, but, you know, two of the bad plays uh, that, that killed the game for the 49ers were on perfectly thrown balls. Right. You know, the, the, the first pass to, to to McDonald was a good throw. That put the 49ers down in the field goal range at the least and maybe get that offense rolling a little bit. Uh, instead, 
it, that's the end of the drive, and it's a turnover. You know, the, the other play, I mean, they, they converted for all intents and purposes the, the first third down uh, of the game, but Antoine Bolton couldn't hold on to the ball. Instead of, instead of taking up a, a first down on a third and ten play, which potentially could build a little bit of momentum and, and get the ball rolling a little bit. Uh, you know, just a couple plays later, the Bengals are punching it in the end zone. So, hey, I mean, I, I've said this before. I don't think Blaine Gabbert has played great. I don't think he's played bad. I have a difficult time looking out there and thinking that uh, they can bring somebody in who would be considerably better than Blaine Gabbert. And that includes the draft, that includes free agency. I just don't see it. I mean, I just don't. I mean, teams that have good quarterbacks don't get rid of good quarterbacks. Blaine Gabbert has played all right. He hasn't been great. He hasn't been bad. He's been all right. I don't know that, you know, I don't know that this is a great quarterback draft. So I don't, you know, I don't know that the players would necessarily be wise in using, you know, a top five pick on a quarterback. I don't know. I mean, and if they do, you know, I, I doubt that Jared Goff or Paxton Lynch or anybody that they would take uh, coming from a spread offense in college, uh, an underclass, you know, both of those guys are underclassmen. I just don't see that, that those guys are you know, the same level as Marcus Mariota or, or you know, uh, James Winston, I, I just don't see those guys, either of those guys, stepping in and playing considerably better than what Blaine Gabbard is giving them right now. I mean, Blaine Gabbard to me is is kind of Alex Smith, <laughs> and, 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 and that's I mean that's not I mean that's not a knock on either one of those guys. I mean Alex Smith right now is the quarterback of a team that has won. What eight straight games? Yeah, and 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 you know I don't know if they're going to be going to the playoffs, but they're right there in the hunt. I, I just think that in today's NFL, you, you, there are very few quarterbacks who just put the team on their shoulders and, and lead them to victory every week. Right. And and the way of the, the state of college football now, how very few programs, high level programs, are running pro-style offenses, it very well might be that the franchise quarterback is kind of the thing of the past. You know, in this breed of quarterback that we are, this, this generation of quarterback that we've seen with, with Manning and Brees and Brady and Rodgers and, and uh, you know, whomever else, those guys are, I don't know, I don't know how often, I, I don't know how long it'll take before you get another generation like that. And, and maybe the Maybe what you're looking for in the future are quarterbacks who don't screw it up. You know, it used mm-hmm. to be, you know, your quarterback will go out and win the game. Now I, I think you just don't want your quarterback in, in any way to come out and lose the game. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of, uh, I think this is a horrible time, honestly, to be looking for a quarterback because all the quarter, all the really good quarterbacks are, are taken. And I don't know how many great quarterbacks, you know, game-changing franchise types of quarterbacks are going to be coming down the pike anytime soon. 
I agree, and I don't want to see them use a top five pick on a quarterback. They have so many holes and so many issues that I think if they can shore up that offensive line, get the defense going, get Carlos Hyde healthy, and get the quarterback some weapons, which you know may already be there with all those other if all those other things are rocking and rolling, then it works. Then I think Blaine Gabbard is a perfectly adequate quarterback, and I agree with you that may be enough. That may be enough in today's NFL. And, and, and here's the thing, you know, Blaine Gabbard. To me, he's he's kind of a placeholder, right? Mm-hmm. You know, he, he, how good? How good is Blaine Gabbard? Yeah, you know, he's better than I thought he was. Uh, <laughs> he, he now he's only 26 years old. So yeah. you, you you keep Blaine Gabbard in as your quarterback until either somebody else comes along that you develop and who becomes better than Blaine Gabbard, or you keep Blaine Gabbard in until you realize, holy cow, Blaine Gabbard has developed, and now Blaine Gabbard is, takes over for Blaine Gabbard. You know what I'm saying? I mean, mm-hmm. there's there's still a chance this guy, you know, he, he has has room to grow, and you know, in the NFL, you know, there are there are teams that have their quarterback, but they know they have their quarterback, but they're set at quarterback for the next five years. Every other team has a quarterback that they have until the next guy comes along. Mm-hmm. Right. Steph, do you have thoughts on this? All I was going to say, too, is I think that, you know, Colin is probably most likely gone, and I wondered if the 49ers would keep him on the roster. I don't see them paying him $11 million to be a backup, and he's gone, and I think he will be one of the more hot free agents for quarterbacking if somebody feels that they could develop him. I mean, we'll see what happens, but I just I don't see a future there at all So with Colin. And the 49ers. No, yeah, no, I, I don't. I, mean, I don't see any way possible that really either side bends over backwards to make the uh, the Forty ers Kaepernick union last. I mean, there, there's been so much mistrust on both yeah. sides, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I just don't see it, it happening. And, and Colin Kaepernick, uh, you know, isn't the most popular guy in, in the locker room. He, he hasn't really taken on. You know the, the leadership mantle of uh, of reaching out to his teammates, of uh, uh, being uh, a guy that uh, you know has, has shown that he can be uh, that has shown that he can make you know his teammates better. You know, I think that mm-hmm. uh, you know the offensive line. You know, he's a guy so mobile, and he gets he sure got sacked a lot, and you know, Gabbert other than that game against the, the Cleveland where, you know, he ran out of bounds three times, um, you know, has done a pretty good job of getting rid of the football and, and allowing his receivers to make plays. Uh, at, at Colin Kaepernick's spot, if you pull people within the 49 organization right now and ask who's the better quarterback, who would you rather have as your quarterback moving forward, I think it'd be a landslide that Blake Gabbard would, would be the, the choice. And, and I think it also, I mean, I just mentioned Blake Gabbard's age. Blake Gabbard is younger than Colin Kaepernick. Mm-hmm. So I just don't yeah. see it, you know, and I, I think that uh, with the price tag, 
that uh, the Port Aires would have to pay Kaepernick, I just don't see any scenario in which he comes back in which he wants to come back. I mean, that's part of it, too. I don't think he has, I don't think he has any desire to return to this. And, uh, and, and you're right. There are, you know, I don't know what the number would be, but there will be a few teams who look at Colin Kaepernick and say, I, I, want, I want to get my hands on him and see what I can do with him. There will be a lot of head coaches, there will be a lot of coordinators, there will be a lot of quarterback coaches who will watch the film and say, well, gosh, you know, he, he's got to learn you know, how to how to find the open guy, how to anticipate. You know, he, he needs more, he needs to spend less time in the weight room and more time in the film room, and I'm, I'm the guy who can make him you know, a, a Pro Bowl quarterback. And I think there'd be a lot of guys who would, who would love that challenge. I agree 100%. I do too. I think it's unfortunate what's happened with the relationship, but that is what it is. Um, I just think it's unfortunate that someone that took the team to a Super Bowl three years ago, how the relationships deteriorated. But that's that's the NFL. I keep saying it's not show friends, it's show business. <laughs> And, yeah, no, and, and you know what? I, I both sides are to blame. You know, there, there's mm-hmm. not, there's never an instance where it's, it's this person's fault or that person's fault. I'm talking about this, you know, Kaepernick in, in many ways has been his own worst enemy. You know, the way he's handled things. Uh, the 49ers clearly uh, didn't handle him well. I mean, they had a vision for, for what they wanted for him, for him and from him. Uh, you know, he, he came on, and let's go back to Greg Roman. I mean, he, when Kaepernick came on the scene, Greg Roman was doing things that had never been seen before in the NFL, and the NFL didn't know how to handle it. And, you know, the 2012, I mean, you, me, everybody else looked at the way Colin Kaepernick was playing and said, holy cow, this guy is going to be amazing when he learns to play you know, when, when he adds more, uh, you know, weapons to his arsenal, you know, when he, when he adds more clubs to his, to his bag, you know, he's going to be incredible. And the, the strange thing is, I mean, 2012 was the best we saw of Colin Kaepernick. And it is like you know, his game never really adjusted. And the NFL adjusted to him. And conversely, or consequently, I should say, I mean, every year you saw the production worsen and worsen and worsen yeah. to mm-hmm. the point that this year he ends up getting benched. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that is I think that is true and you, I think you're also right that there's blame on all sides there. Um, so hopefully it was a learning experience for everyone. <laughs> that's. I think that's the best you can hope for for everyone, especially Cap because if he is going to continue in the NFL he's going to have to learn to handle things differently and he's going to have to prioritize differently so hopefully he's learned from this as well. Yeah, and he'll be he'll be somewhere, you know. He'll be somewhere next year. I, I I wouldn't be at all surprised if he's a starting quarterback in, in the NFL next year. Uh, so I mean, he'll he'll land on his feet. He'll 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 be somewhere. You, you haven't you haven't seen the last of Colin Kaepernick. He's 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 going. I mean, he's going somewhere. He's he's leaving Santa Clara. I'd be shocked if he's not. But 
but he'll he'll be he'll be someplace. He'll make he'll make decent money and he'll be he'll be playing football. Yes. I think we all agree on that. So we've got and when, and when I say decent money, I mean money that, that you and I and everybody else listening to this would, would uh, love to have over the course of their entire life. So right. he won't be making he won't be making twelve million dollars next year, but but he'll be he'll be doing just fine. Yes, I I would agree with that. Yeah. So we got two weeks left. Um, I would like everyone's prediction. This is kind of a new thing we're doing at the end of the podcast now, um, week after week. And my prediction is they finish five and eleven. Steph. Five and 11. I, yeah. <laughs> I'll say six and 12, just to be positive. <laughs> you six and 10? Six and 10, sorry. All right. So Steph thinks six and 10. I think five and 11. What do you think, Matt? I'd say five and 11. I, I think they probably, uh, I think they lose to Detroit. I think uh, Matthew Stafford will, will hit them on a few big plays. Uh, they're flying uh, on Saturday to Detroit, which is something that I, hadn't heard them, you know, that they haven't done in a long time. Usually when they're in the, uh, in the Pacific time zone, they fly on Saturdays. Uh, this time, uh, the, the, the Eastern time zone, and they're, they're flying on Saturday. So I think that has something to do with the holidays. So I maybe they just feel like they need to change it up, too. But no, I, I don't see them beating the Lions. Uh, coming back home, I see them... Um, doing their standard thing where they play pretty good run defense against Todd Gurley and the Rams and they beat the Rams so yeah 5 11 all right 5 and 11 is 5 and 11 and 6 and 10 we shall see Matt thank you so much for coming on it was really a pleasure to have you and I know that um, our listeners are really going to appreciate your insights so thank you very very much all right thank you thank you very much for having me absolutely all right goodbye everybody we'll talk to you next week go Niners Bye.